This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spreading like fist. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. This is episode 662. Make sure that you check us out, MarkingOut.com. Buy a t-shirt, ProWrestlingTees.com slash MarkingOut. Give us a like on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram at MarkingOut11. On Twitter at MarkingOut. And wherever else you can find us on social media platforms. Make sure that you are subscribed and downloading the podcast over at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you may be listening to podcasts. Go give us a solid rating of five stars and leave a comment. But that being said, I am one of your hosts, Dave the Rave. And you can check me out on all platforms at David PTDPT. I'm here with Brandon who you can go follow at BTTG161 on all platforms. Also, make sure that you are going to follow Chris at ChrisSweenDog on Twitter and CMSweeney85 on Instagram. But as I said before, I am here with Brandon, and I am dying to know what he is up to and what he did for this last week and how he is doing. So, Brandon... How are you doing? I'm doing awesome as always. How about yourself? I am doing really, really good. Thank you. Thank you. What did you do this week? Not much. I went to the Olive Garden. Okay, okay. And what did you think? I mean, I I did watch the TikTok video. I think the last time I went was January 2020, and it's it's really, it's always just so gross. And I saw a woman crying on a TikTok video because Never Ending Pasta is back at Olive Garden, and I, I certainly like pasta enough to try that. That was, that was gone? Yeah, it's not an always thing. Huh. News to me. Why would they always do the pasta? I don't know. I thought that that was like their thing. No, their thing is the soup salad or no soup and breadsticks or salad and breadsticks. Huh? So, but I figured, actually, I don't could, even know if I I've figured, ever how been could there. You screw, out, screw up pasta. I, I actually don't know if I've ever been there before to Olive Garden. Yeah. Well, you're lucky because <laughs> like there's no way they salted the water when they were boiling pasta. The, mm-hmm. the pasta was just straight up, like, water-flavored. The meatballs were probably the worst meatballs I've ever had. They were, like, spongy with no flavor. Mm-hmm. And then the fried chicken was okay, but it's, like, not great. The marinara sauce, I think, was the best sauce out of the ones that I tried. I had the five-cheese marinara also. The creamy mushroom, which I thought was disgusting. It was, like... Mushroom water mixed with Alfredo sauce. Okay. And the best part about Olive Garden is the mints. Go for the mints, nothing else. 
Wow. I, I mean, but why is the hype always there for this? I have no idea. I don't know why anyone, like, <laughs> likes Olive Garden. How are the prices? The prices are normal. Those, I think, are fine, but... But it's... you're better off going somewhere else, paying a little bit more to get a better pasta? Yeah, if you want chicken parm, don't go to Olive Garden. No. For chicken parm, you go to a... I feel like you go to an Italian restaurant, not Olive Garden. Well, I mean, technically. I wouldn't call it Olive Garden <laughs> really an Italian restaurant. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, so you can go... It's not you can go I'll say it's not authentic Italian restaurant. I mean, according to them, it is. And according to them, they spend money or whatever sending their, their chefs to Italy to learn how to cook and train. But there's no way the food's back not or microwaved. Stay there? I really feel like that food is all microwaved. It definitely could be. But you could go to our TikTok at Marking Out and see the TikTok video of it. Yeah, check it out. It's a nice you TikTok know? video. It is. We used to always go to Olive Garden as kids, but it's just not good. Hmm. How about yourself? Myself, I took it easy. I took it easy, relaxing, and uh, peaceful, which is what I go for nowadays, you know? Very calming, very relaxing. Um, definitely, uh, I have a trip to uh, Philadelphia upcoming. May have a, uh, a passenger. I guess May. we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yes, yes. But how about this week we talk about Fastlane? Yeah, it took place in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, so Pat McAfee was in the cold open. I thought it was cool to include him since he was on the Colts. He played football there. So I thought that yeah, was cool. Yeah, it made, made sense with him being there, you know? Yeah, but uh, the first match of Fastlane saw Cody Rhodes and Jay Uso pick up the victory over the Judgment Day to become the new tag team champions. Huge shock for me. Before this match, by the way, I hated that they launched into uh, into that long video package. Like, leave that for the kickoff show. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was necessary. But Michael Cole during the match mentioned Bullet Club in regards to Finn Balor and Cody Rhodes. And, of course, Twitter was very quick to call Michael Cole out because Cody Rhodes was not a leader of Bullet Club like Finn Balor was. It mm-hmm. was Kenny Omega who was the leader when Cody was in it, but uh, I think the IWC overreacted for that, as they always do. Yeah. Um, but it was still cool to hear him mention Bullet Club. Uh, I thought it was a decent tag team match, but for me, it was just like, for a majority of the match, I just thought it was like standard, like we could have seen this on Raw or SmackDown. Mm-hmm. But... We saw Dominic Mysterio and Rhea Ripley make their way out, and Jey Uso took Dominic out, and then they did some like romance stuff between Jay and Rhea. But JD McDonough showed up, and Rhea Ripley used that Money in the Bank briefcase, and then JD McDonough also went to use the briefcase. Cody Rhodes ducked it, and he accidentally hit Damian Priest on the knee, and Cody hit. Damian Priest with the crossroads onto the table, which uh, 
I thought was nice. I liked, I guess, the teasing of JD and Damian Priest further. Meh. And then it was dope to see that modified 1D with Cody Rhodes hitting that Cody cutter at the same time. Yeah, that was a really cool, uh, cool moment. I'm really bummed out, though, for the fact that Cody, uh, Jay Uso main event Jay now is in a tag team again instead of on his own going after a singles title. Uh, Judgment Day is now not tag team champions, which I feel like after everything that uh, Rhea Ripley was speaking to Paul Heyman on SmackDown about, then you had Dominic retaining his, uh, regaining his championship after losing it. I feel like Judgment Day should have maintained their status. I don't really get this. Well, this allows Cody and Jey Uso to go to SmackDown. Yeah. So it's all for the story. It's all for the finishing of the story. That's what they say. We saw Finn Balor try to calm Damian Priest down later on. And Damian Priest was like, I'm not leaving this event empty-handed. And Rhea Ripley made him give her the Money in the Bank briefcase. She's like, you're too hot-headed. You're not cashing in tonight. But I I'll, like that. I'll speak more about that. Yeah, it's like some that makes sense, kind of. But then you get to the main event. But you know, I I know we get to the main event. But I still liked the fact that she did do that because you don't really see too often where somebody's like, "Don't do it right now." Right. You know. After that, though, they aired Booker T and Wade Barrett in the locker room, and I thought it was going to lead to something i thought it's like something cool was gonna come from that but it just turned out to be a live ad which i thought was funny it was a an ad for pizza hut with xavier woods as well and then they delivered <laughs> they delivered a family pizza box to the commentary table before the the match that was sponsored by pizza hut lwo picking up the victory over the the hurt profits i don't know if that's an official title or not mm-hmm. but it started out two on three Who's the third man? I like WWE.com covered it such as that. And uh, we saw Montez Ford take Santos Escobar out. Zelina Vega took uh, Montez Ford out behind the referee's back. But when Rey Mysterio needed to tag in, needed a partner, Santos obviously laid out. Who's it going to be? Yeah, there is so much taking place right now. It could be so many people, but... I had a dream foreseeing this person coming down to the ring. Um, there was the really only three names, and once SmackDown happened, Dragon Lee was off that list. Yes. And Bad Bunny was still a very, very long shot. Yeah. So yeah. the only person that really made sense there ultimately was Carlito. And it was. New theme song. I still have to hear more of it to... I guess really judge it, but I feel like I wish they kept his old theme song. I like the new theme song. It's a it's a nice change of everything, you know. I don't know. They it, I don't, it needs lyrics. Not I don't Carlito-isms. know. I think that it's good that he has something new. But yeah, he made the save. They won, and I enjoyed that match. Yeah. Uh, next up, you had Eo Pick up the victory over Charlotte Flair and Asuka to retain the championship. Thank goodness. You know what was uh, annoying here, kind of, though? Which? 
Jade Cargill arrived earlier on the kickoff show. And then did, they did nothing with her on the actual show. I thought for sure they would have her in the crowd, like, just to watch this match. That would be interesting if she was in the crowd for this. But, like, they literally just used her for the kickoff show where she arrived, shook hands with Triple H, and then walked off with him. Yeah. But... I don't know. I, I was okay with it. Also on the kickoff show, EO told Bailey and Dakota Kai that she wants them to stay in the back. She doesn't need them. Mm-hmm. During Charlotte's entrance, they referred to her as a 14-time champion. So that's annoying. Because Becky Lynch yeah, was that's... referred to as a seven-time champion. The actual match, though, I thought was decent. Asuka used her mist on Charlotte Flair almost right off the bat. So it didn't take Charlotte out for a long time, but it was still mm. nice to get the little bit of Asuka versus Io that we got there. So... Mm-hmm. And then we got a, a really cool Tower of Doom spot from the three of them. There was like a power bomb from Asuka to Charlotte, who had a Samoan drop to Io. Yeah, I thought that was that was nice. really that was really a cool spot to to have in it. And I always say I absolutely hate the Tower of Doom spot, but if it's done fresh properly, yeah, that was done fresh. Yeah, it has to be done fresh. This was definitely fresh. You know, there are many points in this match where uh, Io nearly lost her championship, too. Yeah, and, and there was that one moment where uh, Asuka was tapping out to Charlotte Flair, the person who really doesn't deserve to be in this match or need to be in this match. And for some reason, she just appears out of thin air and automatically appears in any women's uh, title match, which is always great. And we appreciate, but Charlotte Flair had Asuka tapping, but Bailey was distracting the referee at the time. Well, Bailey before that was almost the person to cost EO the match. That's true. Yeah. She distracted EO, who told her not to come out there. Charlotte kicked EO off the apron, and then, like you said, she locked in that figure eight, and Bailey ends up saving it for EO. Mm-hmm. And then EO hits that moonsault, and thankfully she won, but. She was very happy to see Bailey there. Yeah. After that, Pat McAfee actually appeared live and spoke about how some of the WWE towns are kind of trash, the crowd, but the Indianapolis fans are the best and they need a WrestleMania. Meanwhile, rewind, the fans kind of dead throughout that that last match. So... Maybe they don't need another WrestleMania. But mm. he introduced John Cena. He did commentary for the match. We saw John Cena and LA Knight pick up the victory over the Bloodline. Uh, and then again, earlier in the night on the kickoff show, LA Knight arrived to the arena in a Slim Jim car. And I feel like, like, why was that not just his entrance? Why are we wasting things on the kickoff show? Yeah. But John I, Cena... I agree. Cena spent a majority of this match getting his ass kicked, which I thought was very weird. Yeah, I mean, definitely allows for LA Knight to have the, his big spots in the match. Yeah, he finally hit the uh, the attitude adjustment on Jimmy, had to make a tag to LA Knight, and Solo Sokoa ended up knocking LA Knight off the apron. Mm-hmm. So John Cena finally got it. That was like built up and built up. The fans went absolutely nuts for that hot tag to LA Knight. 
And it was cool that he was the hot tag and not John Cena. Rewind a few years ago, obviously the hot tag spot goes to Cena. Yeah. But it was LA Knight getting that pop. Cena eventually hit that five-knuckle shuffle on Jimmy, which was then followed up by the BFT to to Jimmy from LA Knight, and LA Knight picked up that victory. I thought that this was solid, and I thought it was important that LA Knight was the person that picked up the victory too in this. And then after the match, John Cena went to a, uh, attempted to raise LA Knight's hand, but LA Knight like grabbed it away. He goes, no, 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 no. And he raised John Cena's arm. So I like that. Very cool to see Cena working the way he's working here. Yeah. And then the main event to Fastlane saw Seth freaking Rollins pick up the victory over Shinsuke Nakamura in a last man standing match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Right off the bat, Seth Rollins went for a kendo stick. And I would have expected for Shinsuke to be one of the, like, not one of, the first person to get the, the weapon. Mm-hmm. given how everything was. But with, in regards to Shinsuke and weapons, he used nunchucks at one point. And I like when we see, like, somewhat unique weapons. Yeah. So I we like that. I mean, when was the last time have we ever even seen nunchucks we've, used? We've had to have seen nunchucks, especially Steve Blackman back in the day. I'm That's sure true. he used. That's true. But uh, that table spot, I feel like, had to have sucked for Nakamura, the first table spot at least where he ran right into the the corner and it like barely broke. It didn't do anything. So you're just like running straight into a, an unbroken solid table at that point. But yeah. Seth Rollins ended up falling to the floor. At one point they fought in the stands and he fell from the stands to the floor, which was clearly like a crash pad. And then he like rolled off it, rolled off it to sell the injury. But mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like, for the match, like obviously it works for his back, but I feel like that wasn't a spot that was necessary because it didn't look. I feel like they probably didn't want it to look that way. I thought it looked okay. I It wasn't like he was high up or anything. Yeah. And you could clearly see him bouncing, but like mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. What? But it's... Nakamura used the chair on Seth Rollins back. Uh, So that, again, adds to the hurt back of Seth Rollins. Seth gets the advantage, ends up climbing a ladder at one point to put Shinsuke Nakamura through a table. Nakamura then starts climbing. And Nakamura hits him with some poison mist. I So I like this use of the poison mist, but what did you think? Well, I thought maybe that there shouldn't have been two poison mist spots in the same event. Uh-huh. I'm just happy they were different colors. Okay. So, but uh, he got hit with the mist and fell through the, he fell off the ladder through the table. And then Nakamura hit a Kinshasa through that table in the corner that didn't break. And Seth Rollins rolled out at the last second. And then they went back to the crowd. Seth Rollins hit a pedigree and another curb stomp. They both got up. And Seth Rollins hit a falcon arrow through, I think it was like two tables off of whatever platform was in the crowd, and yeah, that was the end. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know how many tables were out there, but once he hit that, I, I like that they were battling up there. But then the falcon arrow, I don't know, I don't know if I would want it. I don't know if I'm happy with the falcon arrow being the end of it, but 
I'm okay with it. I don't know. I guess I just more so wanted to see Nakamura win really bad. Well, but, but that wasn't happening. With all of that, I don't understand why after such a grueling match would Rhea Ripley not want Damian Priest yeah. to cash in. Literally all of Judgment Day, you could have had Priest, Rhea, Dominic, Finn Balor, and J.D. McDonough, five on one. Beating the absolute hell out of Seth Rollins. And then they could have cashed in and then boom. So that does not make sense to me, but I can't question the tribal chief of Monday Night Raw. Yeah. (laughs) You know? So that's Fastlane. Moving over to Monday Night Raw. Mm Mmm. Monday Night Nitro. Seth Rollins kicked off the show and he spoke about... Seth Rollins, by the way, his outfit was uh, very out there. He was wearing like Sabu pants, a checkerboarded uh, jacket, and then I like he threw his like ski goggles, his jeweled ski goggles into the crowd. But he spoke about the last man standing match and he made it seem like he was going to maybe have to relinquish the title. Mm-hmm. He's like playing it up like oh, last night. And then he's like, I'm just getting started. I'll take anyone on anywhere. I don't. So I'm, I don't like, I, I hope that the back does come up again though. I mean, I they played it up so. Away. Huh? I don't think that's going away. I hope not. Like, I hope that it definitely plays up in the next, uh, the next storyline because his back should still be technically. It is. It's a hundred percent. I don't, I really don't think it's going away. Yeah. And right now he said he's taking on anybody anywhere. McIntyre came out and he he didn't even have to say anything. And Seth Rollins was like, I know you want a title shot. Let's do it on Monday night. Raw." And McIntyre interrupts him. He's like, I don't want a title shot against you right now. I want you as close as possible to 100%. And I want it at Crown Jewel. So right now, McIntyre knows that Seth Rollins' back is still, even when he faces him at Crown Jewel, he knows it's still going to be hurt. Yeah. So Seth really thought Drew McIntyre was going to attack him from behind. And Drew was like, no, I'm not. And he walked off. But instead, Damian Priest showed up and he attacked Seth Rollins. And Drew walked off and then he stopped. He looked at what was going on. Dominic ran down with the briefcase and McIntyre stopped him. He hit him with the Glasgow kiss and stopped a cash-in. Yeah, he was ready to cash it in too. Maybe that's dumb on Damien's part for not having the briefcase with him. Um, Why was Dominic the one to have to run out and deliver it? Yeah, that's true, that's true. Also, it's not like there was a referee out there, so normally yeah, you get is, a cash and people run out with the referee. That is true as well. Instead, he didn't run out with anybody. So he got he got knocked down from that. Seth Rollins had a comeback and uh, threw Damian Priest out of the ring, but here, this was Drew McIntyre wanting a match with Seth Rollins at 100%, not him caring about Seth Rollins, in mm. my opinion at least. Yeah, And then later on, we we cut to Damian Priest literally choking J.D. McDonough up on the wall. 
holding him up and it was broken up by Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley and Rhea said calm down hold on I got you and Finn Balor a rematch for the tag titles next week don't worry about Drew McIntyre Mm -hmm. focus on winning back the tag titles from Cody Rhodes and and Jey Uso but in regards to Drew McIntyre they made JD McDonough do it and then later on from that we saw Drew McIntyre defeat JD McDonough one of the craziest back body drops from Drew McIntyre. I thought that was fantastic. He got so much height from from that. I think that it was really cool just to see them in the ring together. I mean, this is, I don't know. I, I'm still sometimes so blown away that we're seeing J.D. McDonough take it on Drew McIntyre when just a few months ago we were seeing J.D. McDonough in NXT. Right. You know, so it's really cool to me whenever we see some of these guys that are NXT or NXT UK uh, competing against guys that we've been watching for even longer uh, on the main stage that have had these WrestleMania moments and everything. Yeah. So, but I, I thought that was really cool. Dominic distracted Drew McIntyre, and JD McDonough went after Drew McIntyre's leg, and Dominic also. Uh, pushed Drew McIntyre into the ring post beyond the referee's back. And then he attacked Drew again and pushed him onto the commentary table. But that kind of distracted J.D. McDonough a little bit and he turned around into a future shock DDT. And then he ate a Claymore. I still love the future shock DDT. I think it's such a cool... I I said it last week. I, I think that any DDT is sick. So, and then Rhea Ripley told Damian Priest not to, not to do anything and just to trust her. And then yeah. fast forward even more, what what spot was it? I forget what um, when when Chelsea Green that segment was happening. Not to uh-huh. jump ahead, Drew McIntyre was talking to Rhea Ripley in the back. Yeah, Rhea Ripley's talking to a lot of people. So, what what do you think there? she's talking about? I don't know what happens there. I don't know. I'm yeah. sure we'll find out. Very interesting, though. Very interesting to see what's going to take place. But next up, we had a Vikings Viking rules matchup. Ivar picking up the victory over Kofi Kingston. I thought this match held up. This, But what sucked about this, there was no Viking boat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like one of my favorite parts of the fact that we had that Viking rules match. Mm-hmm. 2K would love to see that in the game. I highly doubt they would do that, but yeah, the the first two matches were incredible. This one, I think, it it wasn't as good as the previous two, but still 100% holds up. And and I thought it was a very fun match. I agree. I thought that this was a lot of fun. I thought that um, the thing that the spot that I liked the most was where uh, Valhalla got involved. Where she got involved, and then she took out Kofi Kingston. Well, helped to. And then Xavier Woods came out and went toe-to-toe with Valhalla. Valhalla goes to take a dive at him, and not from the outside of the ring, but just launches towards him, goes over the barricade because he ducked it. Xavier Woods is on the ground because he just ducked it. And then... Right there, Ivar nails him with that crossbody yeah. to, uh, while he's on the ground. I thought that that was such a 
well thought spot. I also thought it was interesting that Kofi wrestled in shorts, and I don't know if that was like he didn't have his gear or, or if that was supposed to be his gear. Huh. That's interesting. But yeah. Ivar is still undefeated in Viking rules matches, so As he should be. Here's to more of them. Yeah. After that, Nia Jax versus Raquel Rodriguez, I think, ended it in no contest. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because of the outcome of the match, but mm-hmm. before the match, at least uh, I gotta say I I missed Nia Jax's old theme song. Um, the I'm I don't not know. like most girls. Yeah. Um, the match itself, though, I thought was decent, and Raquel, I guess, I, we've seen her be built up so strongly that she maybe came off a little bit weak here. Uh huh. And I understand because you're building up Nia Jax as that beast. That could be a factor why. And we did see Raquel get that power bomb on Nia Jax. That was a sick spot. That uh, became viral. Yeah. Because Raquel's face ended up on Nia's gear. Hmm. <laughs> Her makeup. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Rhea Ripley ran down and tossed Raquel Rodriguez out. That's why I don't know if it's a disqualification or just a no contest. Because she also went after Nia Jax. And then Shayna Baszler ran down and she got involved. And Rhea Ripley told her to leave. And Shayna Baszler was like, "Mm, nah. And then she went after Rhea Ripley and took her out. Nia Jax walked off in the ring. Shayna Baszler stood tall. And then Jackie Redman interviewed Shayna Baszler afterwards. And she basically put everyone on blast. And we saw Akira Tozawa kind of like sneak away again, which is, I think is always funny. Yeah. I thought that this was really solid. I liked it. Yeah. Earlier in the night, we saw Shinsuke Nakamura interviewed by Byron Saxton, and he asked him about coming up short at the premium live event, Fastlane. And Shinsuke didn't answer, and then Byron asked him about his goals. And... I think it was as soon as he got that question off, Ricochet was like, hey, ran in, attacked Nakamura. And then furthermore, we saw Ricochet get attacked by Nakamura before his match. Mm. Nakamura actually hit a, a, a GTS on him. Internet went crazy. CM Punk is showing up at Survivor Series. Meanwhile, you have Kenta quote-tweeting it saying, I'll see you at Survivor Series, LOL, which that's hilarious. I thought that was funny. Have we ever had a CM Punk versus Kenta match? No, I don't think so. That's the whole thing. Everyone was pushing for that at Forbidden Door, and Kenta's like, nah, I'm good. I I don't need to face CM Punk. Yeah, he like legit hates the guy for taking his finisher. I don't know. I mean, yeah. But that leads into Bronson Reed picking up the victory over Chad Gable and Ricochet to become the number one contender for the Intercontinental Championship. We saw Chad Gable prepare for this match by being chopped over and over again backstage by uh, Otis, which I thought was a a funny way to train. Mm -hmm. But I liked the double team moves that were done that uh, weren't really intended to be double team moves. Like... When Chad Gable did the full Nelson suplex outside the ring to Ricochet, Ricochet ends up landing onto Bronson Reed. 
So I like that. Um, that German suplex spot from the top rope that Gable attempted, I thought was crazy. Yeah, that was a really nice spot. Ricochet landed on his feet, and then Chad Gable eventually hit one on the mat, a bridging one, pinned Ricochet, and Bronson Reed picked him up, slammed him onto Chad Gable, and then went up to the top of the rope, uh, went to the top rope and hit the... Thick, thick boom. Tsunami, yeah, picked up the victory. So next week we get Bronson Reed versus Gunter for the Intercontinental Championship, and I'm pumped for that. I don't know if anybody else is like... I feel like Twitter's not fully behind Bronson Reed, but really, I I, yeah, I don't feel like so. I saw somebody put out earlier that it was a uh, huge. Yeah, I'm 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 pumped for that match big time. Yeah, I think that I totally agree with you. I think that that match is going to be incredible. I mean, you have pretty much two of the most youngest in the main event uh, main roster scene, and I think that it's going to be a huge showcase for them. We had a DIY sit-down interview where Johnny Gargano said that he believes this is finally their moment, and then Imperium attacked them, so I guess it's not finally their moment. Mm -hmm. We also saw a random video package for Kaiser. I don't know what that was about, but he was like compared to fine art using AI. Yeah, it seemed like, I guess, they are... I mean, to me, this is him splitting, no? I, I don't know. I have no idea. That it, it did not make sense at all for them to air that. Yeah, I mean... Unless the only they're going to be could... airing one for Vinci next week or something, I have no idea why that was aired. Yeah, either they're splitting or they're just trying to build up everybody that is within uh, um, them. And I know? don't think they should be using AI art like that. No. Because it steals from like other artists and doesn't credit them. Mm-hmm. So, but later on, Adam Pierce updated Indy Hartwell and Candice LeRae about the status of DIY, and Rhea Ripley made them leave, and she made Adam Pierce set up a match with her and Shayna Baszler next week. So we also have that to look forward to. Yeah. We saw Becky Lynch pick up the victory over Tegan Knox to retain the the NXT Women's Championship. Zia Lee beforehand actually asked Becky Lynch for a, a shot. So she's finally back on TV. I assume we're going to see that match. I mean, I would assume so, no? I would assume so too, yeah. yeah. They also aired a video package to hype up Tegan Knox. Maybe you're unfamiliar with her. She's not really been used recently. So it was nice to have that. And then Natalia, right before Tegan Knox went out, just reiterated what she said last week and also hyped up Tegan Knox. I don't know what's... I still don't know what the deal with Natalia is. She's Right now, she's 100% all-American-American, even though she's Canadian. <laughs> but yeah. I'm glad that we got this match between Becky Lynch and Tegan Knox. I do wish that it was a little bit more like an NXT match rather than a main roster match. Mm -hmm. But I just thought this was fantastic that uh, I don't even know what to call. I guess it's like a fallaway slam spot that Knox hit was, was I think phenomenal. Uh, And I just wish we had more of this match. I wish we had many more of them together. Yeah. And Becky Lynch offered a handshake afterwards. So it was cool. Yeah. She gave her total, uh, 
credit to Tegan Knox putting her over, you know? And then Tegan Knox backstage was frustrated afterwards, and Natalia spoke to her again, and she's like, you did amazing. Obviously, Tegan Knox was doubting herself, and then Caden Carter and Katana Chance joined in to also put uh, Tegan Knox over. Yeah. And then Chelsea Green walked in with Piper, and, and they made fun of her for losing, and I thought... Tegan Knox's facials when Chelsea stepped up to Natalia were fantastic. And then when Piper stepped up to Natty and told her to name a time and a place, which is next week, we're seeing Natty versus Piper Niven. I thought Chelsea's facials for, uh, for that segment was, was hilarious. Yeah. So I totally agree. In total, I think with the exception of maybe Nikki cross and Zoe Stark, if I'm not mistaken, I think WWE used all of their women on their Raw I mean, roster. Nah. I got to say, something that was really hilarious was Cody and Jay. I mean, earlier in the night, we could talk about, but let's talk about their post Their media scrum? Yeah, the media scrum. I mean, you had both of them just yeeting one another. And Cody, it, it uh, seemed it seemed like they were both uh, a little tipsy. Yeah, I mean, Jay said that they had something on the way over. No, Cody did. Cody did. I mean, they were definitely. They seemed like they were both feeling pretty good at the time, uh, which is kind of unfortunate. I feel, in my opinion, I don't think that they should be appearing that way no. in media scrums. Especially because we do badmouth people from AEW when that happens. And I feel like it's a two-way street where when that happens on this, that the fingers are pointing right at them as well. I, I'm not a fan of it. I don't think that it should have happened. But it was very, very funny um, that it did take place. Um, also, I guess before we move on, we're talking about the media scrum. Yeah. Uh, something that I guess went somewhat viral was at that media scrum, uh, Steve Fall asked EO Sky if she would like to face Taylor Swift at WrestleMania for the championship. And uh, obviously EO Sky's like, are you crazy? And then the internet, the floodgates opened for like everybody to be rude to to this guy. And I feel like that's so wrong because Taylor Swift is literally the biggest name they're like, you had every question in the world you could have asked, and you asked a goofy question like this. Mm-hmm. She is the biggest name in the world. Obviously, WWE shouldn't be having her wrestle, but yes, WWE should 100% be strategizing how to how to get Taylor Swift on one of their shows, especially WrestleMania. Yeah, I would say bring on Taylor Swift for WrestleMania. I mean, I think that it's really bogus that so many people were giving him so much flack just for uh, asking that question. Yeah, they were like, how dare you ask that? Would you ask so-and-so this? And it's like, shut up. Yeah, they're like, you could have asked about, um, what's her face? I don't know. Who's the person that they just signed? Oh, Jade Cargill. No, no. Who's the one that left WWE? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Who who's the big match that they want with EO Sky? Oh, I don't I still don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I thought you were going to say something to the with Kyrie Sane, but 
but that's not huh. it. No, she's married to the. Was it? Is it Kyrie Sane? I mean, Kyrie is yeah. coming back, but yeah, yeah. I I saw. Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. I saw people that were pissed off saying that he could have asked about how she felt about Kyrie Sane coming back, and which I'm isn't like, confirmed. Yeah, not confirmed. But even still, I mean, look at how much traction this first got, you know. And like you said, it's the biggest topic of the month. I think that Here? Yeah. <laughs> well, with her and Kelsey, it's Even still, I mean, the Era Store, that's about to boot back up soon. Yeah, no, Taylor Swift is the biggest person right now and I don't think that that was a bad question. It maybe maybe it was meant to be a joke question, but even still, it's a lighthearted uh, question. Yeah, I don't, I don't see like, I don't think just because you're you're quote unquote a reporter there or part of the media, yeah. I don't think every question has to be hard hitting facts. Yeah, I did see other people saying like, oh, why didn't you ask about Jade and why blah blah blah. It's like, who cares? He asked yeah. about Taylor Swift. She is the most over person in the world. I agree. So, but. Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso, we saw earlier in the night, have a uh, segment together. And Michael Cole asked Cody Rhodes about finishing the story and where this leads to. Like, is this part of the story? What's the deal? And Cody just said that he's excited to be tag team champions. And Michael Cole went back to the story and mentioned how Cody came so close to winning the WWE Championship, just like Dusty did. And they both fell short. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens came out, and uh, Sami, by the way, came out to his his old heel theme song, which mm-hmm. I'm happy that Sami like mentioned it. He brought that up, which is another thing. I wish I could punch something because the IWC went nuts over this too. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, why is he all of a sudden with his other theme song? Blah blah blah. Why would they change this?" It's like obviously, this was the wrong theme song. I tweeted out that is not the right th- song. Obviously, yeah. it's a, a production era. They didn't change it. Everybody, like, so quick to jump down WWE's throat like that. It's ridiculous. People people are quick to jump down everything, you know? I mean, Chris brought up a term to me, uh, tribalism. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I don't really like the way that the fan base for both parties are going at it. You know, it's... Just enjoy wrestling. I mean, we have NXT taking place, which should be an amazing night for pro wrestling, yet you have the fan bases going at one each one another, comparing the two of them, belittling one or well, another. Well, there's a reason for that, so. But instead of just saying, hey, it's pro wrestling, and I want to enjoy this. Well. I don't know. But, fans, uh, yeah, see. so, so uh, Sami Zayn brought up how the Usos – we're tag team champions, and they beat them at WrestleMania in the main event to get the titles. But he wants to congratulate Jay, and he wants to congratulate Cody. Kevin Owens is like, I don't care. I just want the titles back. And Cody accepted that challenge. He's like, let's do that for the, for, for later on at Monday Night Raw. Mm-hmm. We saw McIntyre step up to Jay Uso later on and say he still sees right through him, and he knows sooner or later his true colors are going to show. And that was broken up by Sami Zayn. So there's still something going on with them. The main event though, saw Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso pick up the victory over Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. 
and they retained the the titles. And it was a good match, but again, I feel like I could have done without this. Yeah. So I mean, I did like spots from it. I liked when uh, Cody and Jay hit those double super kicks. Yeah, but it should have been Judgment Day in this main event. <laughs> I. Mm, that's obviously next week, though. So. Yeah, but they shouldn't have lost the championships. Well, and I, of course, I still like. I, I really, really hope. I don't know how long Cody Rhodes and Jey Uso are going to be tag team champions for, but I really hope that 1D slash Cody Cutter finish gets added to 2K24. Mm -hmm. Because that is a fantastic move combo. Cody, uh, that was a pretty scary landing for Cody on that cutter. But the match itself, or the, the show, I guess, itself, ended with everyone shaking hands and... We got a hug from Kevin Owens to Jey Uso. So it's like, finally, that big, maybe I do accept you. Nah. So that's Monday Night Raw. Moving over to NXT. It opened up with Cody Rhodes, where he announced first the return of a men's breakout tournament when the women's tournament is done. Then he announced the return of the Dusty Classic. So that's what I had thought he was coming to say, and uh, I wasn't expecting the men breakout. So I'm pumped for both of those things. I just wish the grizzled young veterans were part of the Dusty Classic. I would really, really hope that uh, the grizzled young veterans would win, but it seems like they're done. Been saying that for weeks now, so that's very unfortunate. But Cody Rhodes also announced that Shawn Michaels made him the special guest GM of NXT for the night. So I think that's pretty cool because Dusty Rhodes was a general manager of NXT as well. And Ilya Dragunov interrupted and I believe he was saying that he looks up to Cody and wants to be just like Cody. And he wants to elevate NXT. Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio interrupted him. And Dominic challenged Ilya to put the championship on the line Cody questioned Dominic about putting the North American Championship on the line. And Rhea Ripley was like, oh, he's been carrying everything. He doesn't need to defend that. And Ilya said as a birthday present to himself, he'd like nothing more than to, I guess, beat or eat Dominic in the ring. And then Cody made that match. And he knew about the Judgment Day. And in order to keep things under more control... He's issuing a special guest referee, that being L.A. Knight. The first match of the evening saw Asuka pick up the victory over Roxanne Perez. Shotzi Blackheart came down for commentary and announced that she's going to be hosting night one of Halloween Havoc with Scarlett next week, uh, in two weeks. So I think that's pretty cool. Uh, And this match in general, I thought was really cool to see. Definitely wish this match was longer, but I really enjoyed this. I like that Roxanne Perez was able to escape the Asuka lock. It was over shortly after that, thanks to uh, the kicks from Asuka, but she showed respect for Roxanne afterwards, and I just thought that was really cool that we got to see that on NXT. Kiana James showed up after the match, and Shotzi Blackheart took her out to make the save. And then later on, Asuka spoke with Blair Davenport, Kalani Jordan said hi, and then Tiffany Stratton cut Fallon Henley off, and after Asuka left, they argued with each other. So I just like that NXT, they included a lot of the women to to say hi to Asuka or whatever, to have that segment with her. 
We had the Brawling Brutes and Tyler Bate pick up the victory over Gallus in a pub rules match. Gallus attacked them during their entrance. This was, uh, I mean, like the other pub rules matches, I, I thought this was fun. Butch jammed a dart into Joe Coffey's hand, which was, uh, I guess, I mean, obviously it was in the tape, but I think that was a, a nice spot. I liked how Tyler Bate did his rebound move on the outside of the ring. I'm sure we've seen that before, but I, I thought that was cool to see in this match. Gallus put Butch through a table of beer and peanuts. Uh, and really, ultimately, it was just a, a, a fun, chaotic match. I think it was Joe. I'm not sure if it was Joe or Mark at this point in my memories, but one of the coffees used like a floating walls, uh, walls of Jericho, which I thought was pretty cool. The Brawling Brutes, though, ended up doing a shield powerbomb onto broken glass through a table to pick up that victory there. We saw Lyra Valkyria interviewed, and she was interrupted by Tegan Knox, who congratulated her for the victory last week. But she also said that Lyra's match is going to have to wait since she's, she was so close on Monday Night Raw. And I don't really know what sense that makes. Like, why would Tegan think that she'd get another shot because of that? But I think, if I'm not mistaken, they made Tegan Knox versus Lyra Valkyria for next week. So either way, I'm, I'm pumped to see Tegan Knox on NXT again. We saw the family backstage run into Cody Rhodes with a problem. They want challengers for their championships, and Tony pitched a, a match with a bunch of teams where they fight to become number one contenders. It's a battle royal. The final two teams, though, have a tag team match. Winner goes on to face them at night one of Halloween Havoc, and Cody's like, you know what? That sounds like a great idea. My dad came up with a bunch of crazy match ideas. Let's call this the Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. So we're getting a bunch of tag teams in a battle royal. The final two teams will face each other. I know um, some of the teams are the teams that we just saw fight at the uh, the last event. So I don't necessarily like that. But I'm, I'm all for a Bada Bing Bada Boom Battle Royal. <laughs> After that, Baron Corbin was interviewed and he was annoyed that Ilya Dragunov accepted a match from Dominic because he was supposed to be next in line. And he thinks that at this point, Ilya Dragunov is ducking him. So, and then that was, of course, interrupted by LA Knight's music for the next match where Ilya Dragunov picked up the victory over Dominic Mysterio to retain the championship. LA Knight was the referee. But this was another good match for Dominic. And he's really showing that he can hang with with people like Ilya Dragunov even. I thought this was a a really good match. Rhea Ripley got involved and LA Knight turned his attention to her. So it allowed for Dominic to cheat. But that didn't really last long. We saw Dominic at one point mess up. He chopped Ilya Dragunov. And that set the crowd off chanting that Dominic messed up. Um, I like that the 619 spot where Dominic went for it and he missed and then Dragunov went for the Constantine special only to have Dominic reverse that and turn it to a, a 619 again. So I like that setup because it's the same move basically, but done differently. Ilya Dragunov hit an H-bomb on Dominic and then Finn Balor and Damian Priest, uh, not Damian Priest, JD McDonough showed up. 
And LA Knight hit JD McDonough with the BFT. Rhea Ripley went to hit Dragon off with the title, but Trick came out and, and ripped her off the, the apron. And then Dragonoff finished Dominic with uh, the Torpedo Moscow to pick up the victory. Baron Corbin came out afterwards and Dijak from behind takes out Dragonoff. Corbin, I guess, definitely thought twice about moving forward. Dijak got right into his face and said he beat Corbin, so Dragonoff is his. We saw Baron Corbin speak to Cody Rhodes later. And said he owes him because of what Cody did to Baron Corbin a few months ago. And Cody said, yes, he granted Corbin a match, but he's going to have to face Dijak. And if he wins against Dijak, then that'll get turned into a a triple threat match where the winner of uh, Braun Breaker and Carmelo Hayes gets added. So, I don't know if I see Dijak beating Baron Corbin. I don't know. We saw Nathan Fraser making fun of Dominic for losing, though. And Rhea Ripley kind of put him in in his place for doing that. So, there was that. We saw Jade Cargill arrive at the Performance Center. She was greeted by Shawn Michaels. So, she met both members of DX this week. We saw Lola Vice pick up the victory over Danny Palmer to advance in the breakout tournament. I thought this was a decent match. And like I said the other week, Danny Palmer, I think, has a, a really cool, unique moveset. And I'm glad that we're getting to see that. Even though she's losing matches, I'm happy that we get to see these moves. And the fans were also against Palmer here. And Lola Vice got to use her MMA skills to basically pick up the victory here. So I thought this was a, a fine match. We saw Chase U, where uh, Thea Hale came back to class after JC told her to, but she said she'd only go if JC came too. So JC's now enrolled in Chase U, and they were speaking about Halloween Havoc. The class wasn't listening, so Andre Chase ended up smashing somebody's cell phone, which I thought was funny, and he yelled at JC for laughing, but um, she told Andre Chase she somehow knew that that Duke Hudson and and Andre Chase were going to be members of that bada bing bada boom battle royal so I like this this segment where we get JCJ now in class as well and I'm looking forward to more of that we had Brian Pillman Jr. up next another vignette we finally know 100% that it's him they showed footage of Brian Pillman and Brian Pillman Jr. spoke about um, not having memories of his father. And it, it seemed kind of heelish. And he said that he's he wants people to see him. He doesn't want people to see his father. So he's going to be going by the name of the man that raised him, that being King. And I think that's a, a nice way to have that name change included. Uh, because now we have a reason why he's not Brian Pillman Jr., But a lot of people pointed out that I don't know if it's necessarily true or not, but a lot of people pointed out that Pillman's done interviews about King being abusive towards him. So I don't know how that, like why that would be a thing if he's paying tribute or not. That doesn't make sense to me. 
but I don't know how accurate those are. Um, but as far as the vignette goes, I thought it was really well done. Jim Ross and Eric Bischoff's voices were used in the promo, which I thought was cool. I'm almost certain Joey Styles and Mean Gene were also part of that, probably all ripped from the Brian Pillman DVD. So I'm pumped to see Brian Pillman Jr. Maybe he'll be part of the men's breakout tournament. I don't know. Earlier in the night, John Cena came out. Crowd went nuts for him being there. And he put NXT over. He put the crowd over. He put Carmelo Hayes over. And he, I guess he was going to put Braun Breaker over too. Braun interrupted. And so they, they, they didn't come to see John Cena. They came to see him. And John Cena said that Braun Breaker's weakness is his attitude. And he didn't come out there to run him down. He's just there to wish him luck. And Braun Breaker ends up clocking John Cena. Cena, all he wanted to do was shake his hand. And when Braun Breaker went for a spear, he got him up for an attitude adjustment, but Braun wiggled off. And we go on further in the night. John Cena met up with Trick and Carmelo. And he ended up giving Trick Williams some advice after Carmelo Hayes left. We also saw NXT Anonymous catch a conversation with Paul Heyman and Ava, where Paul Heyman specifically pointing to his bloodline phone case. So I think that's very interesting to include Ava in a segment with Paul Heyman. Obviously, we know that's The Rock's daughter. And also, Paul Heyman hyping up Braun Breaker before the main event I thought was fantastic too. And we go to the main event. Carmelo Hayes picks up the victory over Braun Breaker. I thought this was a great main event. I almost wish that this also had like a special guest referee, but I think that obviously would have been overkill because we just had LA Knight in the the championship match. But John Cena played cheerleader in this match, which I thought was funny. And he prevented Braun Breaker from using the stairs at one point and then kicked Braun Breaker behind the referee's back, which I don't understand why that's like kind of, I mean, that's pretty heelish, I guess. (laughs) But I guess when a face does it to a heel, it's not... But Solo Sokoa ran down and brawled with John Cena to the back. Carmelo Hayes hit nothing but net to pick up the victory. But Braun Breaker attacked Carmelo Hayes afterwards. And Braun got on the microphone and said, Win or lose, there's only one badass in all of WWE. Which triggers a gong. It triggers American badass to play. Undertaker rolls down on the motorcycle and they go face to face. He yells at Undertaker. And he told him that there's only one badass around there. And Taker took the mic. Told him that he's been watching Braun Breaker for a long time. And said that one day he's going to be very special. And it's just not today. And he ends up punching Braun Breaker. Followed up with a choke slam, And then gave him some advice. And said there's always going to be a bigger, badder, badass waiting around the corner. And... Braun just met the the baddest of them all. And I thought that was a, a really cool segment. Obviously, uh, Undertaker's got some history with the Steiner brothers. So I think that's a cool tie-in factor. And then he helped Carmelo Hayes up to celebrate the victory. So this was a very wild episode of NXT. Um, but a lot of fun stuff. So that's NXT moving over to SmackDown. 
You will notice a slight change in my mic. I don't like that fact, but I'm in a hotel room, so... John Cena welcomed everybody to the season premiere and was immediately interrupted by the bloodline, minus Jimmy. Uh, Roman Reigns, big return, and he told John Cena that if he was going to open his show, he better do it the right way. And he was also annoyed that John Cena somehow took the GOAT name, then told him to leave or be made to leave. And John Cena was like, I'm not there to challenge you. I'm there to acknowledge you. He put over Roman Reigns' championship reign and then said that he hasn't earned a shot. So he's not stepping up to Roman Reigns, but he knows somebody who has earned a title shot, that being LA Knight. And LA Knight came out to that big pop. He questioned whether or not Roman Reigns was a defending champion. So I think this was quite the rub for LA Knight. Jimmy Uso, though, showed up and attacked LA Knight from behind. Solo stood in, in John Cena's way. LA Knight ended up tossing Jimmy out to the, the outside and uh, the bloodline left. And Roman Reigns sent Solo up on the apron to challenge LA Knight for a match later on. And then we saw Roman Reigns and Jimmy Uso asking Jimmy what he was doing, why he's not following orders. Told him to basically cut the yeet stuff out, which I thought was funny. But Jimmy just said he's trying to use Roman Reigns' playbook. And he brought up Jay and Cody and... Called it a slap, and, and Roman Reigns called it a slap in the face to the to the bloodline. First match, though, we saw Pretty Deadly pick up the victory over the Brawling Brutes. The entrance for Pretty Deadly I thought was really funny, tying it into Elton Prince's injury. And I do wish that both teams could have won this, especially with the Brawling Brutes coming off their match from NXT. But I do like that this continued... The feud between the two teams, this literally, Ridge was blamed for Elton's injury. And we saw Elton Prince fake that injury in this match. Kit ended up hitting Ridge, and that led to a quick roll-up and the victory. So at least pretty deadly won with cheap tactics. After that, Carlito was interviewed. Bobby Lashley interrupted. Brought up that he thinks the last time he saw Carlito, uh, he was beating him up on SmackDown. And then Carlito pitched maybe his first match back on SmackDown should be against Bobby Lashley. And Lashley said he wasn't dressed. The Street Profits attacked him with a chair. And then Bailey showed up. She was annoyed that all that was happening. She needed to speak to Adam Pearce or whatever. Zelina Vega ends up getting in her face. They go back and forth. Adam Pearce sets up a match. Dragon Lee was also there with the LWO, and they aired a video package for him later on. So he's on the main roster. No longer on NXT, it seems. But Bailey picked up the victory over Zelina Vega. I think it's always nice to see Zelina Vega wrestle. She hit a 619 from the bottom rope, which I think was crazy to do. I don't know if we've seen her do that before. But EO got up on the apron, so Zelina hit her off. Uh, that distracted her, and Bailey ended up hitting the Rose Plant to pick up the victory. And Bailey has had a pretty crazy loss record, so it's nice to see her get the victory. I just wish this match was longer. 
but EO Sky attacked Zelina afterwards. Bailey joined in. And Charlotte jogged down in high heels to chase them off. And I really wish I understand everything that happened at Fastlane happened. And you could say that maybe Charlotte would be champion had it not happened. I just I want her out of the title picture. I truly do. But after that, Triple H had some announcements. He had Adam Pierce out there with him. He put him over big time, which I thought was cool. And then he announced that nobody should have to do his job alone and made Adam Pierce the, the general manager of Monday Night Raw. And before he could introduce who the GM of SmackDown would be, Dominic came out and said that the Judgment Day got screwed out of their titles. A championship match shouldn't even be taking place on SmackDown. And of course... The boos were as loud as can be. I have to wonder how, if Triple H was so happy during that. He made a joke about that with all the marks on Twitter talking about how it's pumped in. He was like, oh, I always thought it was pumped in. And I thought that was funny. But Dominic was complaining, like I said, about the tag titles being on the line. And Triple H said, well, that's not his problem. That's not Adam Pierce's problem. It's not my problem. Nick Aldis is the new general manager of SmackDown. And Nick Aldis announced that the person who was traded from Smack uh, from Monday Night Raw to SmackDown for Jey Uso was Kevin Owens. And then Dominic, before that, threatened to slap whoever it was. And I'm kind of disappointed that they split Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn up. But Kevin got in the ring right off the bat hits hits Dominic with a stutter. That ends that segment. You go backstage, big pop. Chelsea Green's already bothering Nick Aldis. And I thought that was hilarious. But he dismissed her and Piper Niven to talk to Charlotte. He gave her a title shot for next week because of everything that happened at Fastlane. And then the segment ends, Jade Cargill walks in with Triple H. I think it's cool that they tease that, but I don't want to see that match yet. I don't know when Jade's going to wrestle. They obviously have a lot of faith in her. She's all over the shows. So, after that, Jay and Cody Rhodes picked up the victory over Austin Theory and Grayson Waller to retain the tag team championships. I thought it was a decent match. I wish this match was longer also. I don't understand why Cody hits that crossroads after that, that sick double team move. But... They move on to Monday Night Raw, I think, to face the Judgment Day. And we saw Jay and Cody come face-to-face -face with Jimmy and Solo after this match. And then Roman Reigns went face-to-face -face with Cody. So, like I said earlier, this gets Cody on SmackDown, and we can see stuff like that. Nick Aldis kept them apart, which I thought was cool. If you know their history, I think that's that's a cool thing to to have. But the main event of SmackDown saw LA Knight taking on Solo Sokoa with LA Knight picking up the victory. This was a pretty even match. I'm glad that Solo Sokoa still looks strong even though he lost. But Solo reversed the first BFT and then they both took each other out with clotheslines. Uh, Jimmy Uso showed up and before he could do anything, John Cena showed up. Took Jimmy out with an attitude adjustment. Solo hit him with a spike. And then LA Knight hit the BFT to win. 
And then to close SmackDown, Roman Reigns, out of nowhere, pretty much, hit LA Knight with that huge spear. Basically, putting LA Knight in his place. It's it's his ring. But that's SmackDown. Going to take a quick little break. And I'll be right back with a better mic here on Marking Out. This is Head Shrinker Samu. If you ain't listening to Marking Out, if you ain't doing nothing right, Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 662. Going to move over to Rampage from last week. It opened up with the Hardys and Best Friends teaming up to defeat the Jericho or the not-anymore Jericho Appreciation Society. How the Hardys keep ending up in matches like this, I have no idea. I, I don't understand where Ethan Page is. I feel like he's been missing for maybe a month or two months at this point. Is he still with the Hardys? I don't understand. But the biggest, I guess the biggest thing from this match was Jeff Hardy and Daniel Garcia doing a dance-off mid-match. But I was actually shocked to see uh, Rick Knox start counting when all the illegal competitors were in the ring. That threw me for a loop, but he obviously then randomly stopped so the faces can do their hug. And he didn't count again when all the faces were hitting their finishers. So, right before the the match ended. So, that was goofy. But after that, the Jericho Appreciation Society were interviewed. And Matt Menard was annoyed at Daniel Garcia for dancing. So, that really was the main focus of that match. And Anna uh, Anna Jay got injured out there. Angelo Parker tried to, like, talk sense into everyone. So, it seems like they're going to maybe start to take Daniel Garcia out of that equation. Um, they aired a Danhausen vignette. He'll be returning soon. It doesn't say when, but it was apparently a spoof of something from Halloween 3, which is a movie I've never seen. I don't know if I've ever seen any of the Halloween movies, but I believe it has a cult following because most people think that movie is so terrible. But the thing on... I looked it up, the poster for Halloween 3, whatever it is, kind of looks like Great Muda, (laughs) but it's nice at least to see that Dan Housen is back, and I'm happy that people are enjoying that vignette that aired. Uh, After that, the Blackpool Combat Club picked up the victory over Levi Shapiro and Wise Guy Ruiz. Really, there's nothing to note from this. I don't think the Blackpool Combat Club needs a match like this. They're already well established. We already know what they do as a team. We already know what they do as a unit. This was for no reason. After that, Commander picked up the victory over Johnny TV, Lince Dorado, and Penta to become number one contender for the Ring of Honor Championship. I think it was definitely surprising to see Commander win this especially with Penta being in the match, but I thought this was a very good Lucha-style match. It was cool to see Lince Dorado, and I think it would be nice if Lince got signed. I'm a a fan of Lince Dorado, so that surprised me in every... Like, every part of this match was kind of surprising. We saw Ortiz talk about Mike Santana. They've been building for a few weeks now, so I'm... I'm at the point where I need more than just these backstage promos and vignettes. So when that happens, I'm not sure. Main event of Rampage saw Hikaru Shida and Chris Statlander 
pick up the victory over Marina Shafir and Nyla Rose. And I really, I can't think of why this match happened. Storyline-wise, why is the champion wrestling in a tag team match? I don't know. Marina Shafir, I think, looked a, a, a bit better in the ring. The doomsday spot that they did, the faces, uh, to take Nyla Rose out, I don't think that was good. It took too long and it was clunky. But Hikaru Shida used the Rampage to pick up the victory, which at least makes sense because Hikaru Shida is going to be facing Soraya on Dynamite, which I'll talk about. Moving over to Collision, it opened up with Ricky Starks and Big Bill picking up the victory over FTR to become the new AEW Tag Team Champions. This was goofy, and it was surprising because FTR, I don't want to say it was a squash match, but it seemed like a squash match. They lost very quickly and had almost no offense whatsoever, but Cash is apparently injured. So that's very unfortunate, but I thought this match made FTR look incredibly weak, and I really don't think it made Ricky Starks and Big Bill look strong. But FTR, I think, came out of that looking very weak, and especially after all their other title defenses, when was the last time you saw FTR in a match like that where they would have gone like four minutes or whatever? I don't think ever. And not certainly to my memory in AEW. And I don't think I would have given the titles to to a team that's not really established as a team. Prior to this, we had them, we saw them have one tag team match and then one eight-man tag match. And what sucks about the Young Bucks being number one contenders is, first of all, the only team in AEW who doesn't need tag team titles is the Young Bucks. So it just seems like they're going to be taking the titles from Ricky Sarks and Big Bill. I have no idea. But that's unfortunate. After that, Brian Danielson picked up the victory over Kyle Fletcher. I believe the bigger guy from Aussie Open is injured. So I think it's nice that they're showcasing Kyle Fletcher and not have him go to waste. But this match I thought was really good. They had music randomly played during this, so I thought there was like a run-in about to happen, but I guess it was a production thing. I didn't see anybody talking about it on, on Twitter at all, but that confused me. And honestly, I wish this match was longer. I thought Brian Danielson, Kyle Fletcher was a very well-done match. Obviously not like uh, the same level as Zack Sabre Jr., but definite, definite promise from Kyle Fletcher here. And after the match, the Mogul Embassy attacked Brian Danielson. The Blackpool Combat Club made the save. We saw Bullet Club Gold pick up the victory over Angelico, Grand Metallic, and Gravity, which I definitely could have done without this match, and I don't understand why Angelico was teaming with two faces, because I could swear he's been wrestling as a heel. Maybe he's not anymore, but I really, really think he's still a heel. So that did not make sense to me at all. But the main thing from this was Jay White cutting a promo afterwards with MJF's championship. I don't think it was a strong promo, and I think it went too long. But AEW always seems to do this like stolen title thing. And I don't think there's a need for it. 
I wish Grand Metallic was on every week because Metallic is just such a good wrestler. We saw the acclaimed pick up the victory over Iron Savages to retain the Trios Championships. Fun match. Uh, the last time we saw the Savages, I believe Boulder hit a top rope moonsault and missed. But this time it was from the second rope and he missed, which I think is even more impressive because there's less like time to rotate. So well done on Boulder, even though he missed it. But well, like storyline missed it. But um, there was a spot where Bronson tried to get out of the ring. Aubrey ran into his way to make a count. And I feel like stuff like that could be avoided if she focused on getting the illegal participants out of the ring before stuff like that happens. Stuff like that makes the match look clunky. And that's not necessary. It doesn't have to happen. After that, Tony Storm picked up the victory over Kiara Hogan. I think I would have preferred if they left all like the, the butt spots out of this match. I just thought that was too goofy. And I... I really don't like the I'm ready for my close-up spot because we already have the best friends who do a camera zoom out. I know it's a zoom in, but to me, that's the same exact spot and I don't think more people should be doing it. So if Tony Storm's going to be doing it, then best friends should not be doing it anymore. It'd be like AEW having somebody else get a black and white entrance with Tony Storm already having one. Although they use the blackout, who can it be spot for almost everybody. So, but outside of that, I enjoyed the match. I'm glad that Kiara Hogan was showcased in this. It wasn't like a one-sided thing. So maybe we'll see more of her. I'm not sure. Uh, I've been waiting months, it seems, to have Kiara Hogan on TV weekly, but that's just not happening. After that, Eddie Kingston picked up the victory over Commander to retain... I, I wish another match was main eventing because I don't follow Ring of Honor at this point. None of the other matches were advertised as like main event caliber, but Brian and Fletcher certainly should have had that spot because that was the best match of the night. Not to say this match wasn't good. I still enjoyed it, but as a main event, I don't think this was a main event. The end sell of that backfist from Eddie Kingston to Commander, I thought looked fantastic, though. And then earlier in the night, we saw Nick Wayne uh, basically say that Darby Allen left him. So that's why he turned on Darby, which Nick Wayne turning on Darby Allen is literally one of the dumbest turns ever. Like, truly, truly is one of the dumbest turns. And then to tie it to Christian. I think is even worse. And I really wanted Nick at, at Wrestle Dream to do that because Darby's just become so stale, but storyline, it's just so dumb. It's as dumb as them accepting AR Fox's apology. He literally left Nick Wayne a bloody mess, almost dead. But yeah, here, let's uh, let's shake his hand. Let's accept his apology. And where's AR Fox been? Nowhere. Is he going to tie back into this Christian storyline? I don't think so, but that was dumb. And then Edge came out to close the show, and he said the whole reason why he came to AEW was to team with Christian, 
which maybe you would have thought he confirmed that before coming to AEW. But he called Christian out to see why he's been doing what he's been doing. A video played of Christian instead. Christian put Edge down and he said that he'll answer him on Dynamite. Then he had Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne try to attack Edge and Edge got the upper hand at first. Luchasaurus took Edge down and then Darby ran out. And uh, right before Luchasaurus could do a concerto, Darby made that save. And he attacked him with a chair. Then he turned to Nick Wayne and he just couldn't do it. And Nick begged him not to. And then Nick attacked Darby. Luchasaurus got back in the mix and he also attacked Darby Allen. And Nick did a concerto to Darby Allen's arm. So collision ends with both Edge and Darby Allen looking completely stupid. Edge for not confirming with Christian before leaving WWE, storyline-wise, and Darby for not being able to do what Nick Wayne does to him. Dumb. And with the exception of FTR losing and Commander winning a title shot, every single match on Rampage and Collision was absolutely beyond predictable. So, that's unfortunate. Moving over to AEW Dynamite Title Tuesday, it kicked off with a buy-in match on YouTube where Eddie Kingston picked up the victory over Minoru Suzuki to retain... I really don't think this match was necessary. And it was just like the same slaps and chops like we've seen before. Just, I'm like over these kind of matches with Eddie Kingston. And I just spoke about Eddie having really good and entertaining matches. This is always the exact same thing and it's just not it for me. We saw Triple J watching this. They have an interest in the ROH Championship with Jay Lethal. We move on to the actual card though. Christian opens the show in the TV truck to talk about Swerve and Brian Danielson. Then he spoke about Luchasaurus and Edge. And we go into the first match. Brian Danielson picked up the victory over Swerve to become the number one contender for the TNT Championship. This was a great match, which I think was definitely expected. I don't think the match needed Adam Page, though. We saw Swerve try to use the crown of Prince Nana and... Adam Page stopped it. And that definitely caused a distraction for Swerve, but I'm glad that that wasn't the actual, like, lead to the the ending. Like, where it was, like, over right away. Because he's still kicked out. He's still got some moves on on, uh, Brian Danielson, but it was pretty much the end of the match there. So, Brian Danielson is going to be facing Christian for the TNT Championship. I probably would have preferred Swerve, but I don't know if they would do heel versus heel, although Swerve kind of gets cheered sometimes. We saw Powerhouse Hobbs pick up the victory over Chris Jericho. Thank God. And I would say it was kind of surprising because at one point in the match, everything stopped for Chris Jericho. And Hobbs completely destroyed him. He had a quick, quick combat, Chris Jericho. But Hobbs shut it down and Hopefully, this is the build to the beast of powerhouse Hobbs. It's been start and stop with him for so many times. He's been part of so many groups. Hopefully, this is it. 
Hopefully this is the one that takes him to that next level finally. We saw Orange Cassidy pick up the victory over Fenix to become the international champion again. So it's hot potato with the championship. I hate that. John Moxley wasn't cleared. So on the buy-in, Tony Khan was like, do you want a title shot? And Orange Cassidy's like, uh. Tony Khan's like, well, okay. If you're, and he goes, no, I'll take it. I thought that was stupid that up until that point Mox was advertised if you if you know he's injured just say he's injured there's no reason to advertise John Moxley especially if Orange Cassidy is going to be the one to win what does that do does that mean if if John Moxley was actually cleared was was Mox going to win the title back I don't think so but the main focus of this was the afterwards Orange Cassidy still looked disappointed even after winning the championship And he could only really focus on the title. There was confetti. The best friends, Rocky and and Hook, came out to celebrate. He fist bumped them, but they were almost all like afterthoughts to him. So maybe we will see Orange Cassidy turn heel? Not 100% sure. We saw Wardlow completely destroy Matt Seidel. I really don't think this does anything for Wardlow. We've already seen him built up like this. I don't think he needs to be built up again. And not cer- certainly not against somebody like Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel, everyone was so pumped when he showed up in AEW. And now, like, where the hell has he always been? It's, it's always nowhere. We saw Adam Cole in another video segment with him hanging out with The Kingdom. Roderick Strong doing chores for Roddy. And putting off surgery so he can do chores for Roderick Strong. Which I feel like kind of lowers Adam Cole to like a mid-card level instead of main event. But it leads into the match later on. Jay White picks up the victory over Hangman. And Prince Nana costs Hangman the match via distraction. Afterwards though, MJF came out very pissed off and gave Jay White his match at full gear. But he demanded that Jay White give him his championship back. Obviously, Jay White said no. And MJF is like, I know that you're just using the Bullet Club gold because that's something I would do. This segment, though, for me, went way too long. And fast forward, you had Juice Robinson talk about the uh, the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal being on the line next week and that he's entering the match. And then he takes out a roll of quarters, which I understand is his gimmick. And he's done it, but he's got MJF's name written on it. The crowd goes absolutely silent. I think it's tone deaf for them to do something like that, especially right now. I don't know how something like that gets approved. MJF snaps, but this, to me, leaves the door open wider for people to bring anti-Semitic signs like that guy at Grand Slam. And I think this was a huge miss and just dumb for them to do. And then later on, MJF calls uh, Adam Cole. There was bad reception, so Adam Cole cuts out. The acclaimed step up to MJF and Max Caster offered their help to face the Bullet Club Gold. MJF walked off and Billy Gunn was annoyed that Max Caster was even offering that, so... 
I assume we're going to see the acclaimed team up with MJF to take on Bullet Club Gold. Just not sure when. Throughout the night, they were airing stuff during the commercials for Tony Storm. But it was in picture in picture, so I really couldn't see anything. I don't know what it was. But we go into the Women's Championship on the line. Hikaru Shida picks up the victory over Soraya, becomes the new champion. Ruby Soho was banned from ringside, but she showed up regardless. She was in disguise. And uh, Tony Storm ended up taking her out eventually after Hikaru Shida sprayed her in the face. But I was surprised to see Hikaru Shida win this. I definitely welcome it, but should Soraya have lost the t- the championship so soon? I don't think the reign was worth winning at, at all in. And just like the international championship, we're back to hot potato again. But I'm all for Hikaru Shida winning the championship. And I really hope, I want her to hold this longer than a month. I want her to hold this for, for months. I want her to defend the title a lot. I don't want another reign like Soraya's because that was a, a complete waste. I, I don't understand what the, the thought process there was giving with giving the championship to Soraya if that's what the reign was. It was a complete waste, which is very unfortunate. Main event of Dynamite saw Edge pick up the victory over Luchasaurus. It was very weird hearing commentary call him Copeland. Even uh, one of his moves, the the execution is now the cope copulution or whatever. I, that's I have, I'm calling him Edge. I'm sorry, but <laughs> I can't call him Adam Copeland in a situation like this. But Luchasaurus attacked Edge before the bell and pretty much continued to hold the upper hand until uh, Edge knocked him off the apron. He hit a tornado DDT off the apron, which I think was cool. But Luchasaurus had a quick little comeback. I think the best spot from this match was when Edge hit the spears, the the spear off of the the steel steps, off the apron. I, yeah, I think off the apron, off the steel steps, and I thought that was cool to the outside of the ring. Uh, but everybody got involved in this match. Edge ends up grabbing the TNT Championship from Christian. And he clocks Luchasaurus with it. And Luchasaurus, because he's so stupid, thought it was Christian who did it because Edge gave him the title back. And he turned around into a spear to lose. Afterwards, we see Nick Wayne attack Edge. Brian Danielson ran down to try to make the save, but he got taken out. Claudio and Wheeler Yuta ran down. They got taken out by the Gates of Agony. Hangman ran down with Swerve to brawl. And Brian Danielson made Christian tap out. Edge, they missed, production missed a spear on Nick Wayne. I don't know if they did that as a joke after people were kind of like demanding it or or joking about it, saying they should have, oh, Edge returned at the Royal Rumble and they missed his spear. They should have done that on Dynamite. Rub it in WWE's face. So I don't know if that was a joke or not, but that's what happened. And it ended with, Christian tapping out to Brian Danielson. But this, we just had a brawl like this last week. They're so overdone in AEW, it adds nothing. And I think overall that that makes for a bad ending to a, a TV show. 
when it's done too many times, especially when you just did it last week, maybe don't do it again. It's just, I feel like a, a cop-out to, to further feuds with many different people. And it's not necessary. But that's AEW Dynamite. Hey, Brandon. Got any shout-outs? I am Grover, and you're listening to Brandon's Shoutouts. Totally Killer gets the first shout-out. Have you heard about this at all or no? No. It's out on Amazon Prime. It's a comedy horror film. Um, the, the main character is played by Kiernan Shipka, who was, I knew her first, I guess, from Sabrina on Riverdale. Cause I did not watch the Sabrina series. Uh, really? You never watched on... Sabrina the series? No. Oh, I, wait, I meant I, to, I'm but... thinking about the old school Sabrina. No, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, of course I watched. Okay. But, uh, in the Riverdale realm, she was Sabrina. And, uh, and in this movie... She ends up going back in time to the 80s to try to stop a serial killer. And I'm not into slasher films, but I don't think I would really consider this a slasher film. And I don't think it is. But the comedy aspect of it in uh, the trailer drew me to it. So I thought it was enjoyable, especially during this time of the year. It's all like Halloween inside the movie. So I would say check it out. Yeah. Loki. What's your favorite horror movie? I don't have horror movie favorites. What's your favorite Halloween movie? My uh, well, my favorite Halloween movie is obviously Hocus Pocus. Okay. My favorite horror movie, I would have to say, probably uh, See No Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Leprechaun. No, I never saw that. Me neither. But Loki is back for season two on Disney Plus, and I thought the the first episode back was was really good. And I wish I was able to just like binge watch the whole season, but I'm definitely looking forward to more episodes. I think Kiwi Kwan was really good in this episode. I'm happy he's on this show now. I think that like Hollywood resurgence for him is like upon us, I guess. Mm -hmm. I have to assume Brendan Fraser is going to be in a lot more stuff too. So it's cool to see both of them get picked up. So. And it was also, it's funny, in, uh, when I, last week I gave a shout out to The Haunted Mansion, that's on Disney Plus now, starring uh, Owen Wilson. And I notice product placement in one of like the warnings for Disney Plus when you're watching it. And they had Burger uh-huh. King in that, in that product placement, I guess, that's what it was for. Uh-huh. In this, I guess it's a spoiler at this point, but... Uh, they have McDonald's. That's one of the product placements for that. So I thought it was funny that back-to-back weeks I'm talking about an Owen Wilson project and they both have product placements and one's Burger King, one's McDonald's. Hmm. So, That's pretty cool. But yeah, definitely check out Loki on Disney+. Plus. And then my last shout-out, Disney dropped the trailer for Behind the Attraction Season 2. And that's another show on Disney+, Plus that... The Rock uh, is an executive producer of. Season one was in 2021, and I was beginning to think we're like, that's it. We're not getting another one. Mm -hmm. So it's nice that we're finally getting another season. This season, they're covering Pirates of the Caribbean, Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, Indiana Jones Adventure, Epcot, 
the food of Disney and the nighttime spectaculars there. So I'm looking forward to that. That comes out next month on Disney Plus. So I'll uh, I'll be waiting for that. But those are my shout outs. Now it's time for our Right, our mark out moment of the week. I have a, a non wrestling one to start. Oh, hit it. Last week on uh, The Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon had Haley Williams on from Paramore, and she got him to sing Idiot Boyfriend with her. And I really wish they did a full version of that. If you're unfamiliar with Idiot Boyfriend, Jimmy Fallon released that that was a song he released i have to listen to it again i f- totally forgot what it was like what uh how it was it kind of like a not not a direct parody of i feel like uh what is it we feel i feel like dancing by leo sayer uh-huh but it's like the falsetto voice and everything and it's a disco song so it's yeah. like a similar style but i was such a, i'm i still am such a fan of that song and uh, it was always my dream to become famous enough to be on his show and bring that song up. So the fact that in all this time, I don't know if anyone's ever done that. I can't remember if anyone has. But uh, the fact that it popped up and, and Haley Williams did that, I, I, I popped to see that. So That's pretty cool. Uh, Wrestling-wise, uh, I mean, I kind of popped for this. At uh, Fastlane, they showed Declan McMahon in the crowd. <laughs> As part That's of the funny, Hoosiers that. football team. So I thought that was cool. It, I was not expecting to see a McMahon there. And it's just crazy to see how old he is now. Yeah. So. I mean, I definitely marked out for Jade Cargill. I cannot wait to see what is to come. Um, I also marked out for everything that took place on Tuesday with AEW and NXT. I marked out a ton during NXT the, and a the, ton during AEW. The tweets could have been uh, toned down a little bit, I think. You know, I don't know I, if I know. necessarily like Tony Khan using Curb Your Enthusiasm. Especially <laughs> because I kind of agree with Larry David in the the what he tweeted out. So That's in funny. that sense, it's like kind of as if Tony's like being a child. He's I mean, like inadvertently calling himself a child there. I don't know. I I marked out for seeing John Cena on NXT and everybody else that appeared. I yeah, marked out. It's a great, great show. Time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh we got a glorious bomb this week. Yes, that's yes, yes, yes. Before marked Monday out. Night Raw DIY took to Twitter, Johnny Gargano's Twitter specifically, and they hit us with a glorious bomb and they knock on the producer's door opens. Uh, the door opens. It's Michael Hayes. And uh, they're like, Oh, well, and then obviously Bobby Roode, Robert Roode walks out. He's full-time producer. Now he's no longer apparently on the active roster. He's listed as a full-time producer for WWE. So he walked out and we got a little uh, glorious bomb reunion from NXT. So that was fun. Yeah, that was awesome. But those are the markout moments of the week. Check us out. That was episode 662. Check us out on Twitter at Markin' Out. 
BTTG161 on both. Chris Sweendog, CM Sweeney85, David PTDPT, Facebook.com slash Marking Out, Marking Out 11 on Threads, Instagram, and YouTube. Check us out, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Marking Out, Marking Out on TikTok, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts for now, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, MarkingOut.com. And we wish you the best, best of luck in your future endeavors. Yeah. Have a fantastic week. Are we-